Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, the only... They only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falls among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the world, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Welcome to our Reflection on Sunday for September 27th. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis, and we're going to continue from Sunday in our conversation about Matthew 27 as we move into the next part of this conversation and we begin at Matthew 13, 24 and we talk about the parable of the weeds. Now, if you did not see Sunday's video, just a quick explanation that Sunday's video was more of a historical conversation on the practice of the oral tradition of Jesus Christ's teachings. Again, Christ didn't have video devices. He didn't have a video camera in front of him. Even the disciples who walked the path, even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, waited almost 30-some years after Christ's ascension to begin to write out what they heard. So they, he didn't even have documentarians there writing down what was being shared. And within the conversational style of the oral tradition, Jesus Christ was trying to introduce principles and ideas in such a way that it would immediately connect to a place in the individual's lives 
so that it could go with the individuals back to their regular lives and they could continue to have conversations about it, continue to grow with it until as we got to the end of our readings on Sunday, that ears were open, eyes were open, and hearts were open to truly experience the kingdom that is sitting before them. Today we're going to take another path. We're going to talk about a parable today. And we did. We talked about the parable of the the seed sower because, in my explanation, that explains a lot about the importance of the oral tradition and the hazards and the pitfalls that exist within the oral tradition. So there's a rich narrative in that that we went through. But today we're going to look at the seed sower because... I want to talk about what it means that we have fruitful crops. And even though that at times weeds wrap around them and try to choke them out, as we talked about in the parable Sunday, there is still a potential of perseverance that pushes us through. And we can even learn to grow and thrive with the weeds wrapped around us and be servants of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm pretty sure I've shared this on the videos, but I I have multiple times in the congregation. It was a long journey for Reverend Michael Drew Davis to become an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church. For those of you that don't know the structure, we, we go to school and college. My undergraduate degree is in music. Then we go to graduate school, and I have a master's of theology, a master's in divinity from Fuller Theological Seminary. And then we go into another journey, which is the ordination process. We go into this place that we take our life experience as participants in leadership and practice of our faith, And we look at it very specifically on what it means to be the caregivers of word, order, and practice for a local congregation. So I went through that process. Man, I believe it was 2008. I can't remember when I was ordained. And that comes up every year at annual conference. I don't remember what year I was ordained. I have been a part of this journey since 2006 because at at the beginning of my journey, I was a licensed local pastor. And within that journey as a licensed local pastor, I was able to do the things that an elder does uh, within the leadership of the church. So that's where my time frame gets funny, fuzzy quite frequently. But here we are. I'm going to say six years. I believe it was 2016 that I was ordained. Within that process, it it took some time and some trouble because the other thing that befuddles my memory about my ordination date is how long I went through the ordination process. As a licensed local pastor, I went in for interviews year after year after year to talk about, to pray through my path in leadership as a licensed local pastor. Then I moved on to the next level. I applied for what was known as a commissioning 
as an elder in the United Methodist Church and that's sort of a probationary period. I did not pass the first opportunity at that, but I did the second. And it, all of this is important, so bear with me. It gave me a chance to understand, hey, this is what I didn't quite articulate well, and now I can grow through that for a year and come back and articulate it. So year one, I did not uh, pass. Year two, commissioned as a elder in the church. Then we move on, and there's years upon years of classes and so forth that we went through as commissioned candidates for eldership in the United Methodist Church. I worked through it all. I got to the first year that I was available to do so, and I did not pass. I got through the second year that I was able to do so, and I did not pass. So we're, we're talking from start to finish, from or, or, ordained as a local pastor all the way up to these things. We're, we're talking about 10 or 11 years of going to these interviews and having to be told, next step, next step, next step. Then I get to the last interview process, and I remember this, and I, I told you all that story so I could tell you this one. I was in an interview talking with the, the board of ordained ministry, the, the district board of ordained ministry. And one of the, one of the individuals in there, I shared with them my educational journey, dealing with dyslexia, dealing with other things that have created to be setbacks, dealing with limitations in my lives and in my life in such a way that I could work through it, process what was going on, and move to this place that I could be truly prepared to deal with needing to read more, needing to study more, needing more time for things than anybody else is going to, being able to articulate that, being able to defend that, and then also be able to show the end fruits of that labor. And the individual, he said, so, I'm not dyslexic. And I don't understand that journey. So I want you to use Matthew 13, the parable of the weeds, and to tell me, explain to me what's happening. My first response was this. Well, one of the first things that I see that's not happening is I have gone through a journey that has shown me a new strength that you have not gone through. So I actually kind of feel bad my words, God bless, I kind of feel bad for you that you have not been a part of this journey. Now it's my responsibility to share with you this journey so I can talk about the ways that the crops can grow, even though at times we find ourselves in fields of weeds. That even though that there is a crop that is produced that's wrapped in weeds, it doesn't mean that it's not fruitful, it's not the sweetest fruit. It's not the most flavor, flavorful vegetable. Sometimes we need to go through the extra effort to cut out the weeds or learn how to grow through the weeds so that we can begin to have our footing in faith. When I hear this parable at times, when I hear this parable at times, 
I hear the challenge of the deceiver that throws weeds in our lives that become anchors. They impede us from becoming who we're going to be. Let's listen to this first part, and we'll talk about that. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is still like a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, when the weeds also appeared, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? So let's stop there. We'll come back to it. We deal with all these things. We deal with the frustrations. We deal with the shortcomings. And within human nature, we have this ability to look at things as bad and good. We exist within sort of the emotional desire that things have to be black and white. Things have to be good and bad. We have to have the heroes and the villains. When something goes wrong that we don't understand, we need to have a root source of evil to explain while this why this bad thing is happening. And sometimes that removes a potential. I'm a, I got to say it. Yeah, you guys have heard this a lot in the last few weeks too. Especially, excuse me, going through Jeremiah and now that the psalm the previous week and now now this. I have to say this so I can say the next thing. I do not believe God makes bad things happen for us to grow. I don't believe that God puts us in places of peril or harm so that we can so that we grow. I do believe that when we are in hard, bad places, we can find growth. There I said it. And that's important for this narrative because we see the bad in the individual and sometimes, it's, especially lately, I don't want to be political, but especially lately, it has become sort of the national focus to vilify the things that we don't understand instead of processing what it means to work through them and to find growth because of them. It is easier for us to create a villain than to see the hero within the weeds. And that's the response to this. This is what the servants said. They see the villain as the weeds in the way and they said, do you want us to just rip them out? Do you want us to get rid of them? We, we've seen this conversation within the disciples. As the lady comes to the table and asks for her, her daughter to be healed. And the disciples say, Christ, make her go away. Because there's a cultural difference that exists within the conversation. We see within the conversations with the Samaritan woman at the well that she brings up 
the vilified difference that they should not be talking to each other. And then we get through this and we go through the conversations and we have a healed daughter and we have a lady that is carrying the water of life to her community. But there is within us a human desire when we see the weeds attaching the fruit, we vilify it and we want to push it away. But here's the response to that. We're going to start back with verse 28. An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them out? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the wheat and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather, excuse me, first collect the weeds. Let's don't throw away the good stuff. First collect the weeds and bind them together to be burned and then gather the weed and bring them into my barn. The master shares the potential. He said, yes, even though all these things are growing together and growing and moving together, there's still potential for the wheat to be a blessing. Even though that the weeds are wrapped around the crop, there is still a potential that exists for the weeds to be the blessing. Instead of vilifying and saying it's all worthless, let's throw it away, we move into this place that we see the desire of working together, living together, so that the wheat can become prosperous and grow. And the weeds lose their strength and decrease and disappear. That's the story of my journey. I, I shouldn't have a master's education. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I went on a longer journey. I had to work harder than everybody else. I had to work harder in high school. I had to work harder in college. I went six years to a three-year graduate program. I went to a place in my professional path and was told to go back and do it again and went back and did it again and did it and got to a new place and was told to go back and do it again. And I went back again and I did it. There's been so many stopping points that I, in my mind, could have developed the mindset of the sermon of the servants and just said, let's just throw it all in the fire and be done with it. But here we are. But here we are. The journey's not always easy. But the more that we hear the farmer's voice saying, No, let them grow. Let them grow. Let them grow together. I have seen so many beautiful rose bushes that have been held to trellises because of the weeds and the thorns that hold them in the place. And those weeds and those thorns make those roses so much more beautiful. I want us to think about our life journeys in that mindset. That, yeah, man, you know what? We fall down and we skin our knees all the time. Man, we go out and we do something in the name of the care of someone else that we regret later, but we 
did it in the name of the care of someone else. And then hopefully through time we can pray through and separate the weeds and either go back and do it right or truly celebrate what was done right. And it's that journey. But we live in a world that wants to throw it all away because the thorns exist. We need to be the difference. We need to be the ones that finds the, the wonderful wheat and to save it and to help it grow. And then as the farmer shares in this parable, get it to a place that we, it can see its freedom from the thorns and the weeds and begin to be prosperous for why, the beautiful reason why it was created. Whether it's cultural differences, whether it's the LGBTQIA issues that we deal with in a denomination, whether it's the the strange, scary guy that just walks through the back door and wants to be heard, or it's this trained, scary guy that you try to communicate with because you care. Sometimes we see the weeds and we let the weeds have strength, but it's been a blessing on being a part of a personal journey to help me see that the weeds don't have the strength. Am I going to screw up? Yeah, I'm going to screw up. I, I mess up pretty bad. I really do. But there's always a potential to try again, to reset it, to try again. I want us to remember those prayers today. I don't want us to see the weeds intertwined with the wheat and that we throw it out but we are willing to watch it all grow and grow into its potential and the wheat grow away from the weeds so it can be prosperous. Hold on to all those things. Thank you for being in this conversation with me today. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is love. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.